Hi, Mark. This is Rabbi Avi from the Chabad. I want to wish you and all your listeners a happy Hanukkah. I am Citizen 44. For me personally, this holiday takes on a special meaning. My grandfather, Yaakov, lived in Germany in the 1930s. Just prior to Kristallnacht, he was beaten up by Nazi youth and took his whole family out of Germany and moved to Israel. Just a few weeks ago, my oldest daughter, who was going to high school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, early Shabbat Saturday morning at a local synagogue running a youth program. She was able to hear the gunshots going off at the synagogue where 11 Jews were massacred for being Jewish. But tonight on Hanukkah is not a time to mourn, it's a time to celebrate. It's a time when we take that mourning and we transform it into joy, to do something positive. Tonight, we're going to be lighting the first Hanukkah candle, ushering into this holiday of Hanukkah. Each one of us has a beautiful soul, as we call in Hebrew, an Hashemah, flame of God burning within us that can bring so much warmth and light to all those around us. And may we merit the time when ultimately the light will prevail over darkness and goodness over evil and love over hate. And let us say Amen. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 61. Well, it's Hanukkah and uh, happy Hanukkah everybody. We're in evening number four. That's four out of eight. Eight nights of Hanukkah. That's two fours. It's also Wednesday, so it's the middle of Hanukkah, and it's the middle of the week, which makes it double hump day. We've got a great show today. We have Janet Robin, an incredible guitarist, singer, songwriter, and a new friend of the show. Super excited to talk about her Hanukkah, and uh, her Jewish, and her travels, and her music, and all the things going on with her. I want to thank Rabbi Avi for opening up the show with a very memorable statement about things as they are and uh, where they could be. So let's get on with it. Hey, Mark, it's Melissa. I wanted to let you know that the light shines brightly from my heart to your heart. Happy Hanukkah on the new moon. We'll see you later. Love you. I'm a rich girl, baby, and you don't even know it. I got love in my pocket, and I'm ready to show it. I'm a rich girl, baby. Ooh, I'm a rich girl, baby. I don't need no money when I get to kiss you, honey. I'm a rich girl.
What's happening, Janet? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Janet. How are you doing this evening? Good. Friday. Does it matter? Friday, Monday, Saturday? Yes and no. I mean, things slow down a little bit unless I'm on the road or have gigs. So it's glass of wine night for me. What's your flavor? What are you drinking? French wine. That's the best, in my opinion. Okay. Is it something specific that you would pimp to other people so they know what you're drinking that you like? Yeah. Chateau Nude de Pop. Chateau Nude de Pop? Yeah. 2015 is a good year. If anybody wants to send me a bottle. <laughs> okay. Get the gift that you want versus the gift that other people think that you want. Right. Instead of them buying a CD or a t-shirt, they can just go ahead and send me a bottle of that red wine. Okay, you heard that, folks. She may be holed up in that house for a while. True. (laughs) First of all, let me say thank you for doing the show. I totally appreciate you spending the time on a Friday night jumping on the phone with me. Of course. I recently watched some kind of rooftop interview in Prague where you delivered a cool song and whatever mic they had picked it up really nicely and uh, this is like from 2012 I think it was. Those people travel all over the world and pick out artists that they want to feature and this happened that they were in Prague at the same time I was in Prague and, and I have a song about Prague. It's the first thing that I watched where you were singing and uh, you're a very attractive woman with some sick skills. Well, thank you very much. I've worked hard to make a dent in the guitar community, whether being female or not. There still is a female guitar category, which has helped and not helped. For instance, if you had listened to that song and not seen me play it, you would not be able to figure out whether it was a girl or a guy playing, correct? Well, of course not. How could you tell who's playing guitar? But there is a niche of female guitar players in one corner. I think that the guitar has always been looked at as a masculine instrument. However, you have had several women way back when, in the 20s and 30s, that took the guitar and made it their own. Memphis Minnie, for instance, mostly black women. It has been something I've dealt with my entire career, and in some ways it's motivated me too, instead of just the 100% good that I need to be 200% good. And that's okay. When you're talking about female vocalists or male vocalists, that I completely get. That makes sense. But it is what it is still. The good news is that there's a lot more girls playing guitar than when I started, which was back in the 70s. And I do teach a select amount of students, and a lot of young girls come to me because I'm a girl. They want to take from a girl. You learned from a very famous boy back in the day. I did. A very famous boy who looked like a girl. We're talking about Randy Rhodes, and you were, what, nine years old? Yep. And who was he playing with at the time? Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot didn't make it big until after Randy died. Quiet Riot was just a local L.A. band playing the club. In fact, when I got to about 12, 13, my parents took me to one of their gigs with Randy, and that really is my very first rock concert. Where was the show? At the now defunct Starwood. That's a very famous club, you know, back in the 70s. I mean, Led Zeppelin started there, so did Van Halen. That was in West Hollywood on the corner of Crescent Heights and Santa Monica Boulevard. I can remember it very clearly in my head. They would not, of course, let me in without my parents. So at least they let me in with my parents. But that was my first rock concert. I mean, my first, like, arena concert was the band Sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sticks at the Forum. 
saw I was probably right next to you or something. That's the show I saw at the Forum. Yeah, I grew up in L.A. Mark, how old are you? I'm 57. I'm 52 now. You're 57, which is my brother's day. So I don't know. It might have been that same tour, but I grew up in the Valley in North Hollywood. And, you know, regarding Randy, where he taught was out of his mother's music school, which was also in the Valley in North Hollywood on Oxford and Laurel Canyon. And it's still there, and Randy's brother is running it. The studio's been open that long? Oh, yeah. Randy's mother was an accomplished piano teacher. She has a degree in music, I think, maybe from UCLA. Built that. So it looks kind of like a house, you know, and they're originally from Burbank. She built up that business there, and then when Randy got a little bit older, he started teaching. I started there with my brother, the two of us. I was younger. I was about, I don't know, seven or eight, taking the folk acoustic guitar with a woman that was teaching that kind of guitar there. And then my brother moved on to electric guitar to Randy, and I had to do everything my brother did. So after begging and screaming and yelling for an electric guitar, at age nine, I moved over to Randy, and I stayed with him all the way until he got the gig with Ozzy. How did you find him? Both my brother and I were at another place, which is also not around anymore, Valley Arts Guitar. It was the guitar place to go to, because at that time, Guitar Center was a tiny store on Sunset Boulevard. People who lived near Hollywood would go. But the big guitar store at that time in the 70s was Valley Arts. We were both there. My mom still doesn't remember, but somebody told her about an electric guitar teacher who was amazing. And I think the reason they told her is because it was around the corner from our house, which, by the way, my mom still lives in. She was like, oh, well, that's more convenient. My brother wanted to take electric guitar lessons. We found out where Randy was teaching, which is called Neostonia, and we both moved over there. I continued with the acoustic guitar stuff, and then two years later, I moved over to electric. That's how that all started, and I stayed with him until 15, I think, is when he got the gig. I studied with some other teachers that took over for him. I kept taking lessons all through the rest of high school. And, you know, of course, he died in 82, so that was that. I saw him one more time before he went on the next tour. He came home, he had a break, and I saw him one more time, and then he left for the next tour, and that was when he had that terrible accident. I think his plan was to leave Ozzy and continue on classical guitar and get his degree. He was obsessed with classical guitar and not being a rock star. I am still in contact with his family. I stayed in contact with his mom up until she passed. And I knew her because sometimes my mom couldn't pick me up after my lesson and she would drop me off in her little station wagon because we were around the corner. So I had a relationship with that family and I started to get to know Randy's brother and sister, you know, later in my life. Now we are friends by a tragedy, but a common thread that runs between us. I was the only girl at the time, also the youngest student, and I can tell you right now, there's absolutely no way that I would be playing guitar had I not taken lessons from him. I'd never seen anybody play like him. I would bring my neighborhood friends to my guitar lessons to watch my teacher. <laughs> and by the way, lessons were like $8. For 30 minutes. I wish I had those tapes from some of the recordings I made at our lessons. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened to those. So that's the story about Randy. People who are guitar aficionados or people who love Ozzy Osbourne would appreciate that story. And how did he pass? What happened exactly? 
It's more about this park that a friend of Ozzy's in Florida, a big mansion, and the bus driver of the tour bus was also a pilot, and there was a small private plane there. So he decided, hey, let's take people up in the plane. Let's go for a little ride. And they actually did one ride, no problem, came down. And then they decided to take a second one, and Randy wanted to go up with his camera because he was a budding photographer. And um, I'm not quite sure of all the details, but there's speculation that maybe the pilot had been doing some drugs, but he wanted to buzz around the two of us to like wake up the other band members and he was a little too low and I don't think he does it correctly in a wing. He hit part of the tour bus, crashed into the roof of the house and blew up. He died instantly. I clearly remember being taken out of my class in high school because somebody from the school office came and said, you need to come to the office. There was a phone call from your mom. So I went to the school office and she told me I have some really bad news. Your guitar teacher, Randy, he died in this plane accident and I started crying. I felt like I lost a family member. I was quite young and hadn't really experienced that kind of death and it was really traumatizing for me. Honestly, he was 25 years old. 25. Mark, young as shit, man, but yeah. old and talented, genius. His mother was completely devastated. And I don't think she ever recovered. Maybe they've done this already. That's why they were so stupid good. And they just had to make a last appearance, maybe a last tour. Well, that's a very Jewish way of thinking, Mark. <laughs> I'm a Jew, too. I went to a conservative temple, but my uncle is a reformed rabbi. So it's conflicting. You know, my parents were really middle class, very liberal Jews. So... We didn't do anything but Hanukkah and Passover. Anything that had to do with drinking and food. <laughs> I did get bought mitzvah, so did my brothers. But I consider myself agnostic. I enjoy the cultural side of Judaism and the historical side I'm very interested in. But I don't consider myself a religious person. I was raised in households where you read to choose what you think. I think there's lots of ways to be spiritual and be close to nature, things like that. I'm very proud to be a cultural Jew, and I am very interested in historical parts. just got back from being in Europe on the road. I've played about 20 shows, and every year I go to Germany. It's very interesting out there. You know, lots of history about the Holocaust. And this time, after my tour was done, I took a little 10-day break, and we went to visit Anne Frank's hideout in Amsterdam, and that was quite fascinating. I really enjoy that because I grew up, of course, reading about all of that. It wasn't until later that I actually read Anne Frank's Diary, which I'm a huge fan of. And actually being in the house, it almost didn't seem real because I've seen all the movies, plays, and it's been so dramatized. But I was actually there in that place. They lived for two years. And then at the end of that whole tour, you end up at the diary. Heavy shit. I go every year to Europe to tour, and on one of my previous tours, I was near Poland, so I went with some friends, and we went to Auschwitz, so I did to a couple concentration camps. I am fascinated with that whole part of Jewish history. The best thing to do is to walk from Auschwitz to Birkenau, because you follow the train track. I did that quite a long time ago, back in 2009. There's a lot of Jewish history out there. And many people that I've met, 
especially in Germany, I have to say, the people in Germany are so well-versed on the Holocaust. It's required learning and reading in school. It's required that they go to a concentration camp when they were young. Anne Frank's diary is required reading. They're not going to fucking do this ever again. And you cannot protest or do anything on the street that has anything to do with Nazism. If you do, you're immediately arrested and taken to jail. They are a progressive country. I go for four to six weeks every year in various countries out in Europe. And, you know, honestly, there's better pay. They really appreciate music. The treatment is better as a musician out there. No offense to the U.S., but it just is. Maybe it's because I'm a foreigner in their country. I feel close connection to Europe, and for some odd reason, Prague, which is the video you saw, my family is not from there. We're Russian Jews, so I have no idea why I have this connection with the Czech Republic. I've been there maybe 10 to 12 times now, and I just love the whole area. And my brother is second marriage. He's married to a Czech woman. <laughs> it's just weird. My knowledge that I know of my family history is Russian and Lithuanian, possibly German, but everybody emigrated to Canada, my mom's side, and the other side emigrated to Pennsylvania, and then they all made their way out to California. But I believe in the cat that finds its way back. There could be some weird connection. I have to tell you a story. The reason I got involved in touring Europe was not only because I had always dreamt of touring out there, of course I wanted to, but it was through a, a mutual producer of mine and a band in Czech Republic. And that producer at the time knew that I wanted to go out there and perform. And he was like, you should get in touch with this band that I mixed. I mean, I never heard of this band. They were from the Czech Republic. I didn't even know what that was. Czechoslovakia? That's all I knew. Czech Republic? What's that? So back in the days of MySpace, I contacted them, and they really liked my sound. They were playing kind of Americana-style music, and the singer was singing in English, and it was good. It was really good songwriting, and I was impressed. So they set up a tour for me to open for them, and they also offered to be my backup fan on some festivals and things that we did. And I never met these people, this husband and wife team, and forged a long friendship out of that first tour. And we're still friends today. So cut back to that first tour, I was telling them, you know, at the time, you know, there's something oddly comfortable about being in your hometown here. They live in a small town about two and a half hours from Claude. It's called Hedenitze. So the guitar player in that band, Roman, I don't know what got him to do this, maybe my curiosity, but he found a book on the history of the town that they live in. And he said, you know, I found this book and we have a small Jewish community here. There is actually a synagogue in the village. It's now a museum. And back in the 1800s, our rabbi was Rabbi Rabinowitz, which is my family name. My last name is Robin, and it was legally changed by my great-grandfather in Pittsburgh, actually. But the family name is Rabinowitz. That's a quite common Jewish name in Europe, but yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it explains your fascination and your familiarity with the region. You're drawn to your family. I mean, clearly, there's people there before you that are part of you. Yeah, because not every little Czech village 
had a Jewish community, but this one did. Not only had a synagogue, it had a Jewish cemetery. The whole thing is really weird. Now, I'm really close to their family. They feel like family. They're not Jewish, but I love their village every time I go there. I love it in Czech. I love Prague. As far as I know, my family is not from there. But back in the day, Eastern European was very convoluted. Lithuania was part of Russia. Poland was mixed with Russia. There was a lot of shit going on, so who knows? That's wild. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess that's kind of my religion. The universe leads you in directions, and you've got to go with it. As long as you stay on course, be an honest person, work hard, and take care of people and take care of yourself, the universe will lead you in this direction that hopefully will be good. That's how I live my life. That's how I was raised. Speaking of, are your parents still around? My parents are. My father is 87. He is in an Alzheimer's home, and he's being very well cared for. And my mom is still with us. She's turned 80 this year, and she's still living in the home that I grew up in. And she still comes to my gigs and whatever she can make it out to. I was lucky to have parents that completely supported me in my passion for playing guitar and making music and trying to make a living at that. Middle-class Jews typically become doctors or lawyers or, like my brother, a dentist. He left the guitar world and became a dentist like my dad. I quit college. I dropped out of UCLA, and I was in the band, and we got a record deal, and that's the end of it. I kept on that trail, and they supported my decision. Did your parents stay together the whole time? Yeah, my parents are still married. Wow, that's fantastic. My mom did have a career. She was a librarian, and she was the head librarian at Pierce College for 40 years. Wow. I'm really the only one in the family that did not get a degree, but you know, I got a degree in rock and roll. I have two brothers, one that still lives here in L.A., and he's the one who's a dentist, and he was the one who played guitar before me. The older brother lives in Australia and has lived out of the country for many years. He's the guy that got involved in international business and actually really don't know what he does. I think he's in the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) No, he does marketing and he likes living out of the country. So you were born in 66? That's correct. I would grow up listening to Led Zeppelin, Bowie, Hart, I mean, you name it. I listened to it all through the walls of my room and my parents were like Steve, that's my brother's name. Steve, you're going to smoke pot. You can do it here at home. Pot smoke's coming out of his door, and I'm listening to Black Sabbath. And then when he was gone from his room, I would go and look at all the posters that he would hang from Circus Magazine or Guitar Player Magazine, looking at Jim Page and just, oh my God, I want to do this. <laughs> and to be honest with you, there were really not very many rock and roll role models except Nancy Wilson from Heart. I was absolutely mesmerized by the fact that there was another girl who was in a rock band. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Bonnie Raitt or Joni Mitchell. I love them. They're amazing players. But I'm talking about hard rock. And I didn't really know that much about the Runaways. They were still kind of underground at the time. I saw a picture of Nancy playing guitar with her sister, and I was like, what? What the fuck? And then, of course, I got obsessed with their records. And I gotta say, a huge influence. And later in my life, when I was in high school and all female band custom metal, we ended up getting signed and we got into business and we ended up writing songs with those ladies. And I became acquaintances 
now I do see her every once in a while at her shows. I would look at posters of these women and think, they're doing it. I can fucking do it, too. Now, I didn't become a big, famous rock star. It didn't work out that way. I'm famous in some circles. My mom thinks I'm famous. I watched some of your videos from when you were in Precious Metal, and uh, I got some good giggles out of that. And it's kind of hard to see who's who in there. You guys are wearing so much makeup, and there's so much hair business going on. (laughs) Pretty entertaining stuff, I got to tell you. It was all a great experience, and I continued in this business because of my passion for music and for playing guitar. So had I stayed in this to be a rich, famous rock star, I would have quit a long time ago. I'm very proud of my accomplishments, and I work really hard, and I pay my rent and my bills from making music, teaching, or going on the road, or doing sessions. It's all based around music and the guitar, and if that's how I am able to live and function, then I'm happy. And that's what I tell my students. We're Jewish, Mark. Got to have some philosophical conversations. Yeah. I don't have children. I'm married. I'm married to a woman. We've been married for three years, and we've been together 10 years. We both enjoy our careers, and we have animals, and that's our life. My wife, Robin, which, by the way, her name is Robin. It's really funny. (laughs) My mom considers her like another daughter. Both Robin and I take care of my mom, and my dad is in the home, and we do a lot for my dad. We're getting older now. There's no bullshit anymore. My parents are getting older, and eventually they won't be here. So let's spend as much time as we can with them. And now we have her mother, my mother-in-law, coming to stay with my mom, because my mom's all alone at her house. You can't have anything better than that. Good family, good friends, work hard. How did it go in the 70s? I was a total tomboy back then. Rocker chick tomboy. And I'm still the same way. I just wear a little bit of makeup now. How did you do in high school? I really enjoyed school. I was student body president of Grant. I excelled in school. I appreciated it. I studied. I worked hard. I was on the outside. I was sort of friends with lots of different people. I came out when I was 16. I didn't give a shit. People thought I didn't give a shit. So they treated me differently. I saw other people who were afraid of it. They were the ones who got their entire spot, but not me. Didn't mean that I wasn't insecure about it or didn't have feelings about it. I did, but I just really was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. Fuck it. 1984 is when I graduated, so it was time of age, and there was more visibility about gay people. Ellen, there was none of that growing up. We didn't have any of that shit. We used to thought Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, that was the 80s. That was my time. I was thinking, yeah, man, he could not answer those questions. They kept pounding him, your sexuality, but he couldn't answer it. And I was thinking about that, feeling that way back then. But it's not like that now. I remember that era very well, very clearly. I'm in the middle of my life, and I'm enjoying all the things I'm doing right now my solo work and I have another band The String Revolution it's all guitars and we're embarking on lots of new things and I have my students and every once in a while I get the opportunity to score for a short film I always enjoy doing that that's totally different from what I've done before and I'm enjoying where things are right now earlier this year I was in a musical oddly enough about a very famous rabbi from the 60s a hippie rabbi And uh, it was a true story, and they called me and said, hey, 
you know, we need this guitar player that needs to act like his teacher and there's some acting in it and you also need to be in the band. And I was like, okay, and you need to move to New York for a month and then you need to move to San Diego for a month. I was like, all right, let's do it. You were kind of gentle with a guitar? Totally. It was really cool, you know. It was a former Broadway musical called Soul Doctor about this famous rabbi, Shlomo, and his relationship with jazz singer Nina Simone. You had this black jazz singer having this musical, maybe romantic relationship with this hippie rabbi singer, and they tell the story of his life. I'd never done anything like that. I had acted before, but I'd never actually been in a musical. And on top of that, I was in the band, which was on the stage, so it wasn't a regular orchestra pit band, it was kind of a rock band on the stage, and there were like 42 songs I had to learn. It was pretty intense. Wow. I feel unlucky. You make your own luck. It's not like anything was handed to you. You've worked hard and you've been available to uh, receive certain things that you would have to be ready to receive, like working with Johnny Cash's son. I mean, how many people get to go out to Nashville and work with people of that caliber to develop their own things? That's another thing that I try to tell other musicians and students. That came about because I watched Walk the Line for a second time and I didn't know if they had any children together. And they had separate kids, and I looked it up, and I found that they had this one kid, John Carter Cash, and, you know, I ended up watching this YouTube video, and he was talking about growing up with all these 70s and 80s hard rock bands, and now he's doing a lot of singer-songwriter stuff, and, and he's a producer, he works out of his dad's old studio, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never heard of him. And I looked him up and I found a contact email to the studio and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to email him and say, I don't know you, you don't know me, but if you like my music, I want to do another record and I think you should be my producer. And that's exactly what I did. I sent him a fucking email and I didn't hear from him for two weeks. And then he got back to me and said, I really like this song. Let's do a record together, but you have to pay me. And it's going to cost $10,000. I'm like, I don't fucking $10,000. What's wrong with you? He's like, figure it out. So I actually did a PayPal thing, and I raised $20,000 for my fans. Wow. And I went ahead and did a record with him, and I ended up doing a second record with him and his engineer. I've been there three times because I had to go back for a couple of fun. I tell people, if there's something you want to do, you just go after it. Because what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Or you don't ever hear from them. Who cares? You remember Richard Lewis, the comedian? I mean, he's not dead, but you, yeah. know, you know who he is? I love him. I got him on my last show to wish me a happy birthday. He's my comic hero. He's one of the most famous stand-up comedians in the world. He's Larry David's best friend. They were born three days apart in the same hospital. It's amazing, Mark. I've been bugging him for months, and finally I just sent him a message, and I said, hey, man, my birthday show's coming up. It'd be really cool if you did that. And I was watching a Seinfeld episode and I saw my phone ring and it said from private caller and he fucking left a happy birthday message for me. This is how things happen. You've got to go after shit sometimes. And when you start going after stuff, it comes after you. That's been how my entire career has gone. And the only reason that people end up being unhappy or they're just not satisfied with things in their life is because of fear fear of going for something, asking for something, working towards something. 
and because all those things are there for us. Do you have any good Hanukkah stories? Any stories of the Festival of Lights growing up and your family with the kids, <laughs> the Hanukkah and the menorah and all the good stuff? The only Hanukkah story I have is that I was really jealous growing up that my friends had trees. So my mom one day got me a, a little tree, you know, like the mini one. She's like, okay, you can't put any ornaments, but you can string some popcorn. <laughs> so I did that, and we put some Hanukkah presents underneath that. But we celebrated here. We got a tree, and we put Hanukkah ornaments on it as well as Christmas ornaments. And at the very top of the tree is a Jewish star. Do you leave Kanishas and a little Banishevitz out for Hanukkahs? No, that's a good idea. But I have to tell you, my wife is probably more Jewish than I am. I mean, she's not Jewish, but she's like, we got to use a candle. we got to say the prayer. She's reading it phonetically. I mean, she doesn't know shit. This is the cosmic Jewish joke. My parents wanted me desperately to marry a Jewish woman. So the goy that I was dating, because she loved me and wanted to be part of my family, went to the University of Judaism for 13 weeks with the mikvah, the whole thing, so she could have Jewish kids for my parents, and then she couldn't have children. Wow. That's called divine comedy right there. So then you end up adopting. I think that's wonderful. Then you were meant to be adopted parents, because there are kids out there that need parents. They need you. Are both your parents Jewish? Yep. There's not a non-Jew in our family, except my brother... His first wife was not Jewish and didn't convert, but they did raise their kids Jewish. Other than that, everybody else from my parents on back, all Jews. It's a good tribe. You are the Hanukkah show. Happy Hanukkah. Janet, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate that you were willing to come on the show and talk to me. Well, I appreciate it. Much love to you, and uh, I hope you have a fabulous Hanukkah. You too. Mark, take care. It was a pleasure talking to you. Greetings, shalom, and what it is from Jewish guitar player Jeff Tivar wishing everybody out there at Podcast Land a happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever you would like to celebrate. Hope you are all well, and see you in the new year. God bless. Hi, Mark. It's Mom and Dad. We're calling to wish you and your family a happy Hanukkah. We hope you're lighting the candles and enjoying the holiday. You only have three nights left because we're at the hump right now. It's the fourth night of Hanukkah. The candles are lit. It's bright, like my kids. And we miss you and love you, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Dreidel, dreidel, I made it out of pain. Hey, when it's dry and ready, oh, dreidel, I shall play. Hey, I have a little dreidel, I made it out of pain. Hey, when it's dry and ready, 
Well, that's show 61. Done, son. That was super fun. Wow. Janet Robin. She's had one heck of a ride. Super fun to talk to her about the richness of her life. Thanks, everybody, for calling in to wish a happy Hanukkah. Thanks, Mom and Dad, Jeff Pivar, Melissa Scudder. Thank you so much, Avi. Uh, I've known you, for, I guess, as long as I've been here. And you're a pillar of the community, my friend. I appreciate your wisdom, your friendship, your inclusiveness. And uh, speaking of the pop-up deli, yes, the pop-up deli is happening tomorrow's the last day over there at Chabad, the Jewish center over there at 1474 Siskiyou Boulevard right here in Ashland, four to seven. Tomorrow's the last day, brisket. You got your pastrami sandwich, your corned beef sandwich, your pastrami double meat. You got your corned beef double meat, gluten-free bread, half pound pastrami sliced. You get half pound corned beef sliced. You got your matzo ball chicken soup. You got your Yerushimai kugel. You got your baba ganoush. That's an eggplant. You got your Israeli salad and your creamy coleslaw. I believe they got some Dr. Browns, a bunch of beverages. They got all kinds of things. It'll be fun tomorrow from 4 to 7 over there at uh, Chabad Jewish Center across from Market of Choice. So come in. I'm going to be bringing them out to you. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. You can find all the shows, all the archives at Ahrensberg.com. That's A-R-I-N-S-B-E-R-G.com. You can find them on CastBox. You can find them on Stitcher, and you can find them on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. Always a pleasure to serve. Fourth night of Hanukkah. Four more to go. Citizen 44. Shalom. To find out more about Janet Robin, visit her online at J-A-N-E-T-R-O-B-I-N.com. All the music from today's show came from her album, Take Me As I Am, and The String Revolution. Find all that on her website and more. Hey, this is the first show from the new location, hanging out here with Gary Lundgren, making that movie called Phoenix, Oregon. Super excited, coming out in 2019. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. Start right now so you can see results tomorrow. I got lots of problems. I got lots of plans Pretty perfect darling Hold me in your hand Every little step I take I've been in the middle I've been on the top I've been on the bottom Where it hurts a lot Every little step I take 
like that. I am Citizen 44.